Hey friends, this is Linda, and you're listening to Calling Water. Each week on our podcast, we look at a passage of scripture and ask ourselves two questions What does it mean, and what does it call us to do? In today's episode, where the fighting is fiercest, we're looking at the infamous story of David and Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 11 and how the text might invite us to think about abuse of power in this story and in our own lives. Please know that this episode is recounting a story from the Bible that involves rape and violence that some may find disturbing. So if you want to avoid this content, then feel free to skip ahead to the second half of the episode and we'll put the exact times in the show notes. Let's get started. The story of David and Bathsheba is one that is well known and told from all sorts of different angles. Often Bathsheba is considered some kind of willful temptress and David is painted as the hero who temporarily lost his way in this chapter because of the unavoidable pull of temptation. I mean, the girl was bathing right in his line of sight. Clearly, she did it on purpose to trap him and become queen one day. Ooh, that is devious and also not what happened at all. Second Samuel chapter 11 opens up by telling us that it was springtime and it was a time when kings usually go off to war. And it's not as though there wasn't a war to be fought either. David's armies were in the thick of battle like they had been for years now. But where was David? David was home. And perhaps it was because his military forces were managing fine on their own and he really wasn't needed at the front. At any rate, David remained in Jerusalem to rest and roam the palace grounds. And one such excursion led him to the roof. And lo and behold, he sees a woman taking a bath. Her name, coincidentally, was Bathsheba, and the rest, as they say, is history. Now, I've heard so many retellings and sermons of the story that try so hard to couch the story to make David seem a little less nefarious. After all, if we can't idolize this man after God's own heart— Is there anyone in the Bible we can emulate? But y'all, this was not David falling in love at first sight. This wasn't a momentary lapse in judgment. This wasn't even an affair between two misguided yet consenting parties. Let's call this what it is. It was rape and it was a thorough abuse of power. And if you go back and read through the text in full, you will see just how David, from the moment he saw Bathsheba, just kept making conscious and deliberate choices that just kept getting worse and worse. In verse 3, David sent someone to find out about her. In verse 4, David sent messengers to get her, and he slept with her and got her pregnant. In verse 6, we find that David sent word to Joab, the commander of his army, to send him Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. Verse 13, we find that David invites Uriah to dine and drink with him and sends him home. 
which he doesn't do. And then verse 14 and also verse 15, David writes a letter to Joab. In it he wrote, Put Uriah out in the front where the fighting is fiercest, then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. It's just one horrific action after another, and that's the key word here, action. He knowingly acted in this way. He was not coerced. He was not impaired. He could have turned it around at any point, but instead it was full steam ahead with a series of cover-ups because Uriah wouldn't go home to his wife and unwittingly help David cover his tracks. And it ended up in many more deaths than just Uriah's. Because this is what happened. Joab, upon reading David's letter, must have known right away how difficult it it would have been to carry out these orders. He would have had to clandestinely communicate to all the soldiers minus Uriah about the plan. And it's a little messed up that David delivers this letter through Uriah. And this command would have come with a lot of variables. Suppose Uriah found out or the soldiers disobeyed the order because they were unwilling to harm a fellow compatriot. And so what does Joab do? Verses 16 through 17 tell us, So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at the place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. Now he purposefully executed a terrible military strategy so that Uriah's death could look accidental. But that meant even more collateral damage. Imagine entrusting your life as a soldier into someone's hands and that someone who's your commanding officer intentionally sends you to your death. This was the unhealthy regime that David set in motion by ordering Uriah to be killed. And let's reflect on how severely Bathsheba, the primary victim here, was wronged by David's actions. First of all, contrary to some beliefs, there's no reason to believe that Bathsheba was a willing participant in this story. Women in these times, and sadly still for some women today, were merely viewed as possessions. When David sent people to inquire about her, she is described in verse 3 as the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah. Her identity was wrapped up belonging to men, someone's daughter, someone's wife. So, As a thing, essentially, with no rights whatsoever, there was no way she could have resisted David. And David was a monarch with absolute power. And then she finds out she is pregnant with her rapist's baby, and she has to turn to him for help. And the same man has her husband killed, who is innocent in all of this, and then has no choice but to marry and move in with her very attacker. 
the abuse of power here is unbelievable. Yes, he was the king and he could do anything he wanted. But in God's eyes, that is not at all how humans should behave. Yet, God knew this is exactly how a king would behave. When the people of Israel begged the prophet Samuel for a king, we read in 1 Samuel chapter 8 that God gave in to their request, but he also warned them outright the dangers of having a sovereign with limitless, limitless power and resources at his fingertips. Every single one of them would abuse his power, and that includes golden boy David. He used all his privilege as a man, as a king, to commit unspeakable crimes against his people and, moreover, grievous sins against God. And we'll talk about the fallout of the story in next week's episode as David finds out quickly that his sins could not be hidden indefinitely. But up to this point, what are some things that this story might call us to do? In preparing for this message, I was struck by David's orders to Joab to place Uriah where the fighting is fiercest, then to withdraw from him and let him be killed. Basically, this was what David had done to Bathsheba too. He sent her home after he was done with her with no regard for the consequences and shame the world would have put on her and she would have to literally carry around with her. And if he hadn't eventually taken her in, she would have been an outcast or even killed. David had sent both Uriah and Bathsheba to these places where they would have to fend for themselves, whether in battle to be killed or in a society where they would be shunned. And as revolting as that was, the place where they were the most vulnerable and powerless was in the presence of David. That's where the fighting was fiercest, whether they knew it or not. For so long now, people have been coming forward and calling out public figures, whether they're celebrities with the case of the Me Too movement or even spiritual leaders about the various ways that they have abused their power. And when you're in a position of powerlessness, that is a fierce uphill battle. You don't have enough clout to hold these people accountable for their actions. Most of these people just get away with it and they remain in power. And you're not even sure anyone would believe you since the world is so bent on victim blaming most of the time. And I gotta say, I've been there. Maybe not as traumatic as others, but I've had superiors use their position and influence to make me feel small and inconsequential. I've operated under people who thought it was normal fare to use their spiritual authority to shut me down, to humiliate me, and even turn people away from me anytime I disagreed with something they said or did. And these same people then had me believe that it was out of extreme care for me that they behaved so erratically. This is not tough love. Let's once again call it for what it is. It's abuse. So friends, 
Whether you see this kind of thing happen to you or someone you know, let's get in the habit of doing something about it. If Uriah and Bathsheba had people who would have joined in on the fight, even at great personal risk, who called out the wrong on their behalf that was being perpetrated instead of trying to carry out shady orders in a roundabout way like Joab did, we can help people who are most vulnerable to feel seen and advocated for. Instead of just shrugging it off and saying these things happen or it's not my problem because sometimes these things happen to us. But even fiercer than what happens in the margins with the powerless is the fight that happens within ourselves. We know this because David, if anyone, should have known better. We're talking about the guy who was handpicked by God to lead his people. This guy wasn't phased even a tiny bit by the size of this giant uttering blasphemies against his God. The guy who showed mercy to his enemies and kindness to their descendants. But this time, he disregarded every righteous instinct and chose to make one deliberately heinous choice after another until he couldn't even recognize that he had fallen so far. It seems like David would have understood what the apostle meant in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, when he wrote, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And doesn't this ring true for all of us? For sure, the things we do might not be on the same scale and magnitude as David's actions, but we all know what it's like to go against our better nature, the things ingrained in us through knowing God. It reminds me of driving into the mountains sometimes. There comes a point where you're so far from the city that you lose cell reception altogether, right? And we've all had moments where we've gone down that winding road away from God and we don't recognize that we've severed that connection. Maybe you're going through a similar situation right now. But this is an internal fight that you can and you must win. So as you prepare for a brand new week, identify the places in your life where the fighting is fiercest for you. Whether it's a hostile work environment, a toxic authority figure, or even if it's a fight raging on in the inside, don't let it play out indefinitely. Get out of those trenches, love yourself enough, or trust in God's love for you enough to stand up for yourself and not let the abuse persist any longer. Because otherwise, even the most well-intentioned people could be the source of the greatest hurt and despair in your life and let's not let that happen let's pray God when we read a story like today's 
we might be compelled to ask, how could such a man like David ever be considered righteous in your eyes? But looking closer, we realize that this story shows us just how faithfully and fiercely you love us. Even when, and especially when, we are so exceedingly undeserving of your love. Help us to love as you do when we see others who are being hurt and feeling powerless. And help us to turn away from the places where we ourselves fight losing battles. Teach us to lean on you to rescue us completely from such oppressors and even ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.